in hospital, this recovering process or the operations you just had might be effective, that she might have good restoration to use of her knees, um, but most of all, Lord, that her heart, soul, spirit might be cast upon you and that she might find you an ever-present help in this difficult time. Lord, we pray for the ministry of our Kids Down at Kids Club and pray that you'll empower the leaders, teachers and helpers to teach your word effectively. And we thank you that we have the opportunity this morning to not simply to worship you and be taught and to learn together, but that we have the opportunity to contribute and to cooperate with you in what you're doing in the world. Lord, to that end, we now bring ourselves and that portion of our income, our tithes and our offerings. We present them to you. We give them to you, asking that you might not just receive them in the attitude that they're given, but that you might take us and use us and these gifts to extend the kingdom, to bring honour and glory to Jesus. That people might be saved, that people might be healed, and that relationships might be restored. Lord, we bring these petitions and these people to you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said...
of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices.
You alone are worthy above all else. We give you honour and glory in this place this morning. We ask that you would speak to us through your servant Daryl. Keep him upright in your eyes and on the platform. Be his strength this morning. Be his strength and the word in his heart. Speak directly to him and directly to us. Through him we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Please take a seat. you've got a Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Corinthians, please? 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is in a section of the letter where the Apostle Paul is teaching the Corinthians, the Corinthian Christians, about spiritual gifts. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. <clears throat> Before I read you this passage, I thought about doing this and I think I will. For those of you who can, would you stand with me? It's going to be a, I want to ask two questions and I want you to answer it by sitting. So let's stand together. This is not designed to embarrass or anything like that. That's not my intent. But I figured I'd get a more honest response by doing it this way rather than asking simply for a show of hands. If you know what your spiritual gift is, you're confident. Please be seated. And the rest of you can be seated. <laughs> Do you want to know what your spiritual gift is? Simply raise your hand. See, you're more honest when you stand. <laughs> I don't know if you've got to have a quick look around, but for the number of people who sat, do you know what your spiritual gift is? Uh, I'm guessing about 40%. Something like that. Um, so that would mean there's over half of us here this morning either don't know or are not confident. What is my spiritual gift? And I guess also that for some of you, you've followed the Lord, you've walked with the Lord for many years. And for some reason, you don't know. Somehow you've missed this. Um, perhaps through the process of this morning's talk, uh, God might assist you in being able to arrive either at a process or at a conclusion about where your gifts or strengths may lie. There are two passages I want to read to you and then we'll do some teaching and I'll also share some of my own uh, questions, concerns about this whole thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm reading from the NIV, Paul's instruction to the Corinthians Christians who were a mess they got so many things wrong and yet here is Paul teaching them about gifts because they're basic and they are essential. About, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, sisters, <clears throat> I don't want you to be unaware or ignorant. You know that when, we were when you were pagans, uh, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. 
Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but it's the same God who works all of them in all people. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, or a word of wisdom. To another, a word of knowledge, or the message of knowledge, by means of that same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings, by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of languages. And still another, the interpretation of languages. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one, just as he determines. Well, that passage is reasonably clear. It's unclear on some things, but it's reasonably clear to say in verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And that this gift is imparted, verse 11, by the work of the Spirit. That's not something we can manufacture. That's not something we can impart without him working through us in the process. And then our second reading is going to be Exodus 31. If you have your Bibles or your iPads or your electronic devices, you might want to flip to there. I want to read verses 1 to 6 and then pray. The Lord said to Moses, <clears throat> See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for working gold, silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Moreover, I have appointed Ahuliab, son of him, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given skill to all of the craftsmen to make everything that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony of the atonement, cover on it, and all of the furnishings in the tent. It's interesting, isn't it? In this passage, it's the Spirit of God who is filling these two gentlemen, but not with things that we would normally call spiritual, but rather artistic, creative design, manufacturing, building, making, shaping, crafting. The Spirit of God does that as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we talk about being active participants in your community, I pray that your spirit might indeed speak to us, that he might help us to listen, to evaluate, 
and to lead us, all of us, is that we might arrive at a conclusion of clearly understanding or more clearly understanding your purpose for us, your intention and design for each of us. Your word says, so Lord, I thank you that you've given all of us gifts, abilities and talents, but spiritual gifts as followers of the Lord Jesus, is that we have a part to play, a role to fulfil, a function to perform according to these gifts. Not that we might be glorified, but rather that you might be manifested and that the body of Jesus might indeed be that, the body of Christ, working together. So Lord, we look to you and ask for your assistance this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've all been shaped by our Creator, given us personalities which are different, given us different passions and hearts, different abilities and talents, different experiences. Whether it's educational or occupational or relational or painful experiences, God is shaping us. He has saved us, shaped by the Creator, saved by the Redeemer, in order that we might serve with the Spirit in this world particularly in the church, not only, but particularly in the church, in this life and, I guess, in the next as well, that we will continue to be servants who will serve him. We find ourselves in this series up to A, about being active and so identifying areas where we can be involved according to our giftedness. The New Testament has a lot of references when it comes to spiritual gifts. In fact, there are eight lists in four key passages. The four key passages are where we read from, 1 Corinthians 12, but it also flies all the way over into chapter 14. That's one significant passage. Romans 12 is another one. Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter chapter 4. Ephesians 4 is where Pastor David's going to teach tonight. Gifts are prominent in the New Testament, mentioned a lot. They're basic. They are not you know, highly classified and reserved for the spiritually elite, they are basic, they're essential to our walk and following of the Lord Jesus. They are practical. They benefit not just the user, but they benefit primarily others, the church. But just like anything with the Lord, you can't serve him and not get blessed in the process of serving him. So that's how it benefits us. In fact, all of the gifts, with the exception of tongues, is for the edification of others. Tongues, being able to have a prayer language, speaking in an unknown tongue, uh, the Bible teaches has a self-edification benefit attached to it as well. It's prominent, it's basic, it's practical. And 1 Peter 4 verse 10 reminds us uh, that we are accountable, that we are to be responsible stewards that God has given us different gifts of the manifold of his grace and that we are to take ours and to use it because one day we'll be called to give an account, not just for our life, not just for the way we've used our money, not just for how faithful we have been, but how obedient we have been in the use of our gifts. And you can't be a steward of something that you don't know about. So you need to know. What is a spiritual gift? This is my definition. 
A spiritual gift is a spirit-empowered ability to perform a function in the body of Christ. It's an ability that the Spirit of God works through you in. And it's him working through you. But there's this intertwining, this cooperation of one and the other. That's why in the body of the Lord Jesus, each part has a function, a role to play. And if you don't play your role, if you're not doing your bit, we are affected. We are the lesser because of it. That makes sense, doesn't it? So I'm going to put you on a guilt trip, but I want to teach you the truth and challenge you to be obedient to God's will and purpose for us. They're called spiritual gifts, not because they are mysterious or spooky or anything, but because they are from the Spirit. They are given by the Spirit. They are empowered by the Spirit and they manifest the Spirit in us. Everybody says it, but I'm a bit confused about it. That spiritual gifts are different to natural talents. Now I can understand one distinction. You have spiritual gifts after you become a Christian, when you get converted, when you give your life to the Lord Jesus, when you accept him as your Lord and Saviour, the Spirit of God takes up residence within you. And with that indwelling, he also imparts to us a spiritual gift, an ability that he will empower for us to perform a function in the body of Christ. You get it when you become a Christian, you don't have it before you're a Christian. That's what everybody says. And as far as I know, that's correct. Whereas natural talents, you're born with them. Natural talents come from the Creator, spiritual gifts come from the Redeemer, if you want that sort of distinction. But at the end of the day, so what? At the end of the day, I am to be a person who is fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus and that everything I have and can do is his. Imagine, and you would have to imagine, that I had the ability to play the piano. Now some of you do, and it's a wonderful ability to have. But you've been taught that, it's natural to you, and you have developed it over the years. But as a spirit-filled, Christ-centred, God-focused person, you can take that natural talent and in submission to him and to what's needed in the life of the church, you can use that natural talent in submission to him, filled with his spirit, and he can work through that. Can't he? I think he can. So at the end of the day, There's not a lot of help in making these distinctions between spiritual gifts and natural abilities. I think there is a distinction, but it becomes purely academic at the end of the day because we are to use all that we have for the honour of him. Now the danger, going back to the piano playing thing, is I can take my natural abilities and in my own flesh, in my own strength, relying upon me, play the piano, And some people are remarkably gifted at it and they could do it without any assistance from the Spirit at all. That's possible, isn't it? And that would result, probably, not always, in no spiritual fruit, no blessing. 
you would be impressed, but you'd only be impressed in the natural. Whereas in the spiritual, the Spirit of God takes it and does something in the hearts and minds and lives of his people. There's spiritual fruit that comes out of it. There is this intertwining between the human and the divine, the spirit and ourselves. That's why our mission purpose of our church says we are working together with God. We are working with him in the process of transforming people into passionate followers of the Lord Jesus. What I'm saying this morning is that even with this thing about spiritual gifts, these gifts, these abilities, the spirit of God gives us post-conversion, there's some human effort, involvement is required. They are not simply given to us and they are complete. Rather they are given to us and we are to take them and to grow them, relying on him. So for instance, easiest way for me to illustrate it for you, I don't know how many people here, I don't have this gift. I wouldn't mind having this gift because it would assist me greatly. Uh, But some of you, I am quite sure, have the gift of speaking in tongues, have the gift of languages. You speak a language, you have prayer language that you've never learnt. You just have it. It's a wonderful gift. All gifts from the Spirit are wonderful. Um, When you get that gift, it's often I read. It's often that you have a few words. You don't have a fully-fledged language developed. But rather you are to take that gift and in developing it, the Spirit of God will grow you to maturity and through that process also grow your gift. Does that make sense? Here's another illustration. Use whatever gift you like, whether it's evangelism or whether it's teaching or whether it's faith. It's a process of using your gift and developing it. For instance, if you have um, the gift of teaching, then you are to be involved in Uh, demonstrating that gift within you, but you still have to read, you still have to study, you still have to consider and outline, you still have to pray about it, you still have to rely on the Spirit in the process of teaching it. It's human involvement. This makes sense, doesn't it? If your gift is administration, then you've still got to plan, monitor, organise, analyse, record. If your gift is helps, which is the dud gift that nobody likes, but which is essential, essential, You've still got to prepare the meal. You've still got to have the tools to assist with or you've still got to fix it or clean it or support it or whatever the helping part is. If your gift is giving, then you've still got to make money and make choices. In this cooperative nature between us and the spirit of growing and developing our gifts once we are clear in the areas they probably lie in, I think there's probably also a link between being pure, being clean, being holy and the effectiveness of the gift. That if we are unclean and disobedient, uh, having some sin habit that is secret and we're not repenting over it, we're indulging it, that makes us spiritually unclean and I would fully expect that that would render us spiritually weak But having said that, God is God and he can use whoever he likes. I remind you that Samson was a man who lived a carnal life whilst performing spirit-empowered feats. 
Howard Hendricks tells a story of a Dallas pastor who <clears throat> um, had slipped morally. He was committing adultery with about two or three different people, ladies in his church. And while he was still the pastor of that church and while all of that was still going on, people were still coming to faith under his ministry, an evangelist. And Howard Hendricks couldn't work it out. How come, God, you can still use someone who is obviously disobedient? To which God told Howard Hendricks, I am not blessing him. I am using the word that he is preaching. I am blessing my word to save people. But for him, there is no blessing. So it looked like there was blessing outwardly, but in spirit, in reality, according to Howard Hendricks, there wasn't. So I throw that out there for you, brothers and sisters, that we must always endeavour to be holy, to be clean, to be focused and devoted, not compromising. Gifts need to be developed, so there's training and evaluation. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, to, Paul says to Timothy, to fan into flame the gift that you have. Develop it. Use it. God uses different spiritual gifts. We'll come to identifying them in a moment. God uses different spiritual gifts in order to develop unity in the body. There are some things that are very obvious to you that are not obvious to other people. I serve on the church care team, which meets on a Monday morning and we work through a list of names of people who need either visiting or need meals or need particular ministry and <clears throat> never ceases to catch me. I've been doing it for 25, 30 years. And what is obvious to other people in a care ministry process is not obvious to me. They will think of doing things or presenting things that do not even are not on my radar screen. It's not my gift. That helps you understand. It doesn't excuse it. I still have a responsibility to be caring and to be demonstrating that care. Gifts need to be developed and God uses different people with different gifts to build unity in the body. There is a man by the name of Overton who was blind and another man by the name of Kraspersak, I think is how you say it, Kraspersak, who had lost both arms. Overton, who was blind, Kraspersak, who was armless, met at lawyer school, law school in Chicago. They met when the blind Kraspersak carried the books for the armless, uh, the blind Overton carried the books for the armless, yeah, you get it. <coughs> the blind guy carried the books for the guy who couldn't, didn't have arms. And the guy who didn't have arms had eyes to see to direct them where to go. The guy without arms would read the books to the blind guy who was holding the books and turning the pages. They worked together. They graduated law school and then went into law practice together. And that's not a bad picture of the church. Different people, different gifts, supporting and helping each other to achieve a goal to achieve God's mission and to bring honour and glory to him. There is a diversity in each of the gifts. You could have, pick a gift, teaching. 
You may teach publicly from the pulpit, you may teach in a small group, you may teach one-on-one, you might teach children, you might teach youth. There's a variety of manifestations of ages and sizes to each of the gifts. Not all of the, the, not all of the gifts are the same. There's a diversity within them. So it's a matter of identifying what gift has God given me and what is the extent of it. I'm to grow and to develop and to push the boundaries. I don't believe the New Testament provides an exhaustive list of all of the gifts. I say that because there are no two gifts, lists of the gifts in the New Testament that are the same. There's one added or one deleted and all of the gifts have different numbers in them. As I said, there are eight different lists. You compare all of the eight and I think that proves or indicates the Lord's not trying to be exhaustive, that there are in fact other gifts that are not listed in the scriptures. For instance, hospitality can be a spiritual gift. It's not in the Bible. The command to be hospitable is in the Bible. But the actual naming of hospitality as a gift is not in the list. And yet you know as well as I do, there are some people who are just gifted at it. Is it in the natural? Is it in the spiritual? Does it matter? If we're fully surrendered to the Lord. It's possible you could be a creative person, whether it's in writing or in music or in songs, gift of scholarship or of research and so on and so on and so on. Lots of different gifts. There are four misunderstandings about the gift and then I want to tell you how quickly to discover your gift. Four misunderstandings. Number one, there is a misunderstanding which is using gifts to indicate spiritual superiority. Uh, Gift envy, you can call it if you like. That if I had that gift, then I would be spiritually significant. It's often associated, this, that misunderstanding, with tongues. If only I had that gift, then I would be part of God's spiritual elite. But it could be with any gift. And the reality is, brothers and sisters, that sometimes the person with what is considered the least gift helps. Can be a person who is more spiritually in tune than somebody with the gift of being a pastor teacher. It's quite possible, isn't it? The gift you have is not an indication of your spirituality or of your devotion to the Lord Jesus. That's what I'm saying. And there can be a misunderstanding that a teaching gift that puts you in a pulpit is better than a teaching gift with its teaching children. Well, it's just sheer nonsense. It's a gift from the Spirit given for the body and they have different levels and different effectiveness, different ages, different sizes. Number two, Um, It's a misunderstanding when we use spiritual gifts to excuse other responsibilities. Uh, We need someone, uh, which reminds me of the other announcement that I forgot to tell you. We need someone to clean the toilets. (laughs) Anybody got that spiritual gift? (laughs) Apparently nobody has that spiritual gift. When we use our spiritual gifts as an excuse to say, that's not my gift, I'm not doing that. That can be a sensible response. Daryl, we want you to sing with a team on service. That's not my gift. So the answer is no. It's not even a natural talent. It doesn't reside in my body or being. So it can be used to do that. But when it comes to body life, there are things that we just need to be doing together. And it's not a matter of being gifted. It's a matter of simply being obedient. We are all to give, but you may not be gifted at it. We are all to witness, 
which you may not have a gift of evangelism. We're all to pray, which you may not have a gift of intercession. We're all to teach God's word, at least to one another, teaching and admonishing one another. We're all to worship, we're all to be hospitable, we're all to greet, we're all to help, we're all to encourage, we're all to lead, we're all to have mercy, we are all to welcome. They are the imperatives, they are the commands, that's the instructions for us as followers of the Lord Jesus. But I don't know anybody who has all of those gifts. And in fact the Bible would indicate nobody has all of those gifts. The body does, but no individual does, except for the Lord Jesus, of course, which is the manifestation of him in us. People can also use their gifts as an excuse for not being involved. They say, I'm not sure what my gift is, so no, I won't. You can become obsessed with labelling and categorising, and until you can do that, I'm not doing anything. Well, that's an excuse and a misunderstanding and harmful. Another misunderstanding, thirdly, is gift projection. Gift projection is where I have a particular gift and I make a statement, whether in false humility or whatever, but the statement goes like this, if I can do this, you can do this. You often hear it from evangelists. This is easy. Yeah, because you are gifted. Uh, If I can do it, you can do it. It's gift projection that we can dump on others coming out of our own giftedness. And associated with that, but fourthly misunderstanding is, is that we misunderstand the gifts a fair bit when we only talk about them or illustrate them with those who are extraordinary, the giants of the faith. That we only talk about, when you talk about the gift of evangelism, we talk about Billy Graham. And when you talk about the gift of giving, you talk about someone famous like Latonia, became a wealthy man through giving. Or if you talk about mercy, we talk about Mother Teresa or faith, we talk about George Mueller or teaching and name your hero. We do ourselves a disservice when we do that because we are illustrating or explaining that particular gift by those people who are extremely gifted, who have developed the talent, the gifts that God has given them and are using it incredibly effectively. A person who has a gift of evangelism is leading one, two, three, four, a handful of people to the Lord every year is very unlikely to compare themselves to Billy Graham. And so they therefore might conclude they don't have that gift when in fact they do. All right, enough of all of that. How do we discover our gifts? It's easy. God gave you a gift. God wants you to know it, wants you to use it, wants you to develop it to his glory and to the benefit of the church. Like I said before, they're not top secret. How do we do it? Five simple steps and the first two you can cheat. Number one, list all of the gifts in the New Testament. It's not an exhaustive list, but write down, find out and write down all of the gifts in the New Testament and compare various versions because they'll use sometimes various expressions or different words to explain that same Greek word or gift. So make a list. What are the gifts that are available to us? Number two, through prayer, through reading, through study, read your Bible, but come up with a simple, concise definition of what each one of those gifts means. Often the Bible will illustrate or give an example of where that gift is in fact being used and be careful of not attributing current practice to biblical gifts. Try to be true to the text of Scripture. 
So I encourage you to do that as an exercise and if your gift is teaching, that's a good thing for you to do. But <clears throat> if that's not your gift, well, it's already been done. Somebody's already got a list, someone's already got a concise definition and you can get a copy. We have a copy for you, it costs you 20 bucks. <laughs> that's me exercising my gift. Number three, I was joking. Don't write letters, don't. I was kidding. We will give you the list. Number three, this is the important bit. This was like a revelation for me. It was like a ching moment. Obey the scriptures. You want to know what your gift is? Obey the scriptures. Do what the scriptures say. What do you mean? The gifts correspond to the commands that are in the scriptures. So walk in obedience. And if you have that gift, it will become clearer for you. Some people may not know what their gift is, and I realise I am talking to the majority of you here this morning. Some of you may not know what your gift is because you have not been fully obedient. There are some imperatives, some commands you're pulling back on. But here is the statement. The general imperatives of Scripture make it possible for believers to discover their spirit-given gifts as they simply walk in obedience. Come back to that in a moment. <clears throat> Number four, having made the list, having got a concise definition, having made a commitment, I am going to do what I read in the Bible. I commit myself to being obedient. If the Bible says don't, then I'm not going to. If the Bible says do, then God enabling me, that's what I'm going to do. Having made that commitment, got your list, read it through prayerfully. And then just in response, here is the very simple evaluation. The gift of faith. Three responses. I think I might have that gift. I'm not sure if I have that gift. I don't have that gift. And you'll go through the whole list, 27 gifts or plus in the Bible, and simply evaluate that way. I might have that one. Not sure. No. And you'll come up with a lot of no's. That's the normal experience. No, 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 no. And then what you do is the ones that you've got, I might have that gift. I'm not sure, but I, I think I might have that gift. That, get a list of those. There'll be two or three or four or whatever it is. It'll probably be a short list. And then look for places to use that gift in the life of the church. And if there isn't a place, start something. Use that gift in the life of the church. Experiment. Have a go. If you can find a place, then simply go to the leader who's involved in that ministry area, if that's what it is, and simply say, I'm in the process of discovering my gift. Could I have a go uh, for a period of time? And I want you to give me very honest feedback and then be open to it. A simple, easy process. There's one other thing for me to give you, but before I do, I want to give you this quick illustration. I know time has gone. There's a lady by the name of Helen. <coughs> previous church and another lifetime and we went through exactly that process we met with about a dozen people in a, they wanted to discover what their gifts were so we started working through this material and we went through it they had homework, they had to do that exercise they had to go home and they had a whole week prayerfully go through the list and then come back next week she did, she came back next week and she put I don't have this gift next to every single one of them 
I don't have that one, 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 I don't have any of them. Well, either the list is not complete or she was wrong because the Bible says that a gift is given to each individual believer for the benefit of the body. So then I said to the group who knew Helen pretty well, I said to the group, what do you think Helen's gift is? And they went around the group and each one of them rattled off something where they saw strength and they saw her giftedness. And she was affirmed by the group saying to her, this is your strongest gift. You also have these other ones. And she was blown away by it. Now that might be your experience too, that sometimes you can't see your own gifts but everybody else can. Makes sense, doesn't it? So there is a process for you to go through. Make a list, simple definition, commit yourself to obeying scripture, evaluate prayerfully that list of gifts and see what you have or don't have. Eliminating is very helpful. It's nice to know that you don't have that gift. And here is another indicator, the last one. Often the Spirit of God who has given you this gift will also give you desires associated with that gift. So what do you see that needs to be done? What do you notice or sense? What do you feel frustrated about? What grabs your attention? They could very well be clues to how God has wired you and how God has gifted you. The Holy Spirit within has given you desires associated with your giftedness. For instance, let me illustrate it. A group of believers go to a restaurant. A whole stack of you after church will often go off to the coffee club or something and have coffee together, which is terrific. Well, imagine a group of believers are up at the coffee club, sitting around a table, and the waitress comes out and she's delivering coffee and cake and something else and she drops the tray. She drops everything to the table next door, of course. The people, the group of believers sitting there, will react differently to that event. Someone with a gift of mercy or helps will have a desire to assist. That doesn't occur to me immediately. (laughs) person with a gift of giving will want to contribute, maybe pay or do something to help. That'll be a tug. How can I help? Someone with a gift of prophecy or exhortation will want to encourage the waitress. They're there, dear. Someone with a gift of leadership or administration will want to organise to avoid chaos. They want to evaluate also why it happened. Someone with a gift of teaching would like to teach the waitress how to carry the child. <laughs> Group of believers, different gifts, see an event, respond differently. The gifts God has given you is part of how he has shaped you. So what do you see? What do you notice? So on the basis of your evaluation and other people's suggestions input into your life, devote yourself to doing your best. A, active. Devote yourself to doing your best. Whatever it is, Lord, I'm going to do it my best. Devote yourself to doing what you do best. can't do everything, but what you do do. Do it to the best of your ability. We're all better at some things than at others. Make a commitment to be fully obedient to the imperatives, to the commands of Scripture. Lord, when I read your word and when I read a command, you helping me, I will. 
It says that I have to forgive, I will forgive. It says I have to love, then I will love. Whatever you say in your word, I will do. And in the process of obedience, God will reveal his gifts in you. Okay, quick summary. What have we said this morning about being active in the body of the church? Spiritual gifts come from God the Spirit. We get them at conversion. They are given to empower for us to perform a function. There's something for us to be doing. Human cooperation is involved in spiritual gifts. We are to develop them. And God uses spiritual gifts, diversity in the body, to build unity that we can help each other. There's a diverse range within each gift. They are not all the same. And the New Testament is not exhaustive in the list of gifts they give. We have misunderstandings of gifts when we think they make us spiritually superior, when we use them to excuse us from our responsibilities or when we project them onto others. We can discover our gifts by making a list, defining it, obeying God's word and then evaluating ourselves against that list and getting involved, stepping up. We are better off making mistakes than doing nothing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are worthy of our service, of our best service. We pray that you will forgive us or we've been selfish. Forgive us, Lord, being distracted. Forgive us when we have a consumer mentality just to be takers, not givers. Lord, you've called all of us to serve you in your kingdom and so we pray for those who are in a season of fruitlessness that you might pursue them. For those who are resistant to you reigning completely in their life that you might help them feel the weight of their resistance until they come into submission and find release and joy in obeying you. There are many here, Lord, this morning who want to know more and want to serve better. And so I pray that you might grant them the desire of their heart, that in all things we might be active participants in this, your church, so that you might be honoured. And we pray this in your wonderful name. Amen.